and welcome to another episode of the soon-to-be-award-winning Whips What's Up With podcast, where we talk to famous people to find out what's up with them. And not only do we sometimes talk to Hall of Fame-level guests, some of them are in the actual Hall of Fame. Like today's guest, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Belinda Carlisle. You know her from her legendary solo music like Heaven is a Place on Earth, I Get Weak, Mad About You. Also from her work as the lead singer of the legendary band, The Go-Go's. Our lips are sealed, vacation, head over heels, etc. And it is true, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2021. So Belinda Carlisle hasn't done any mainstream solo music since way back in 1997 until now with a new song called Big Big Love and a new five-song EP. But why would I keep telling you about it myself when I could ask Belinda Carlisle about it herself? Good morning. How are you? Thanks so much for doing this. Sincerely, as a longtime fan, I don't know if this is good or bad to say, since I was a kid, right? But it's true. Oh, well, that's not, that's not a bad thing. That, you know, I, I, I'm very aware that I've been around for a long time. So, and very lucky to be doing music for decades and decades. So that's great. Awesome. Well, I think it's an extremely positive thing that you have been around for so long and that you've been doing so great for so long. So you're now a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Belinda, along with your cohorts in the Go-Go's. When you were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, from that day forward, does it feel different than it did before to be a Hall of Famer in anything? Um, yes, I, I, I think it's, well, I'm comfortable with it because I think that, you know, getting the recognition, I think we all feel the same way, was like kind of cementing the legacy. I think if it hadn't been for the documentary, which told the story of the band, which is a pretty incredible story, we would never have gotten into the Rock Hall because people assume that, you come from a TV show or that you're a piece of pop fluff or whatever. But I think that not only psychologically for us feeling like we got finally got what we felt was was long overdue coming to us, um, I think people's perception of all of us together and individually has changed slightly too. You know, and, and to be around for as long as well as I have since nineteen seventy seven really, when my first punk band there has to be something, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, it feels really, really pretty amazing. And, and I don't go around thinking about it all the time, but when I'm reminded, it's like, yeah, you know. I, you know, when, when I think for all of us, it's like all the work we put into it and being acknowledged was a nice thing. What do they actually give you? What do you get to take home? Is it like a little Grammy type of statue or something? Yeah, it's a really nice statue. Actually, I gave it to my son so he can have it on his on his uh, uh, bookcase. But um, it's you know it's yeah it's amazing. It's heavy too. So that's good. Um, it means it's substantial. Yeah, it's it not was, some it's not some nice. cheap thing. You know, it's not a cheap thing. <laughs> not that's at all. Nice. Well, what's, ama- what's amazing to me, the Go-Go's run from 81 to 84, that's a really brief period of time if you look at the big picture of life when you're an adult, right? But, right, but, right. But, but, but it felt like a long time to me at the time. But are you shocked at sort of how little of a period of time that actually was in the big picture? Yeah, when I look back on it, it's, it's, uh, it, it is pretty shocking. I mean, because we were on like, this incredible, like, like treadmill that we, you know, that we really didn't feel time at all. And 
And um, to do three albums in the course of, well, we had, you know, two, three years to write the first album, two years to write the first album. So, and then having to pump it out like a machine after that. I mean, it, it's, uh, in retrospect, I would have said, I would have said, I would have changed a little bit and said, give the girls a break. I mean, give them a break after Beauty and the Beat. There's no rush. It was a big, successful album. Let them take a couple years off. And I really think, because we were on that treadmill at the time and we didn't know that we could say no to things, but I think if we had and really taken that break, that the trajectory of the band would have been a lot different. So I think by the time that 1984 came around and Jane left, we were all pretty burnt out. It wasn't, you know... It, it was time to sort of call it a day. And so a couple of years later, you began with your solo work, and it's such an overused word, but I really want to use it for you. You know, Madonna gets all the credit for reinventing herself, quote-unquote, so many times. <laughs> I think you really reinvented at least the public perception of Belinda Carlisle with your solo music. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't really, a, like I've never contrived anything, really. It, what it was is, I think... You know, losing weight, just changing my life. Um, I was becoming a young woman. You know, I was I was still looked like a teenager when I was in the, in the go go. So it was just transitioning into a young woman from you know being a teenager. So physically, it was like a whole. You know, people were shocked. I mean, but you know, it was only because I was growing. I had been growing up in public. You know, so that was when I kind of became a young woman. I'd say. I do remember not even just saying this the first time I heard heaven is a place on earth on the radio. And I just remember being absolutely stricken by that song from the first listen. And all these years later, it's one of those where you can hear it a million times and I'm sure you've heard it a billion times, but it is one. I don't care how many times I hear it, never get sick of it. It just has that thing about it. Right. There's certain songs that have that for sure. And, and, um, for me, I mean, people always ask if I'm, I get sick of singing it, and I don't because it, when I see people's faces when it starts, I mean, people freak out. So for me, that that makes it really fun for me to sing it, and I've sung it I don't know how many times, but it's been a lot, for sure. And you've got a new single, Big Big Love, and you will have a new five-song right. digital EP called Kismet. Before we get to the music, right, did I pronounce Kismet correctly, by the way? Yes, they did. Kismet, yeah, which, which means it's sort of like destiny, magic. It, it has a funny meaning, different meanings, but that kind of kind of sums up the way the whole project happened because it wasn't like planned. It was like um, a few circumstances, a few things independently that happened that led up to this moment, which was my my son running into Diane Warren at a coffee shop in L.A. and her asking him, what is her mom doing? Let's call her. And she said, you know, they called me and asked me, she said, I come down to the studio because I have some hits for you. And I was like, well, really, do I really want to do that? Because it's a big commitment. You know, I went to the studio and I was completely blown away. So, and I said, yes. Yeah. So it was, obviously I wasn't meant to retire, which is what I was meaning to do. Yeah, it just kind of, all these weird little things happened that, was, you know, it was magic. It was kismet. That's really the story of how this came together? That's that's an incredible story. Yeah, no, that's how it came together. So if you would have said, like, 15 months ago, you'd be promoting a new EP and have a new single out, 
I would say, I I can't see that how that could happen. I mean, I I had it in my mind that I've been there, done that with with great pop music and worked with with some of the great world's greatest songwriters, including Diane. You know, she'd written some hits before. So um, yeah, that's how it came about. It was just I'm not meant to hang it up just yet. Now, let me ask you sort of like a philosophical question about music, I guess, right now. And not really about music, but about the, about the way that music is consumed now. Uh, do you feel like there even needs to be such a thing as an album anymore? Do you think anybody sits down with the way that we get our music digitally and on Spotify and however else we get it? Do you think people sit down and listen to a full album, you know, tracks one through ten? Or I guess in this case, it'll be tracks one through five for you. Right. Well, I mean, I guess they don't. I guess I, it's, it's different from when my last um, album was out, which is in 1997, you know, and that's 26 years ago. So um, we're, you know, everything was album driven. But I mean, I, I was told you know, that that's not the way it is now. So I don't think, I mean, I think maybe older people do listen, that would sit down and listen to a whole album. I know that I would. But I'm not sure that a lot of people have that kind of attention span anymore. So it's different. It's a lot different from the last time I had anything out. Did that factor into the uh, reason you did the EP and the five songs in, instead of something, you know, with 10 or 12 or whatever? Well, I think part of, part of it was, well, although Diane said, let's do an album. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, it was already, it was, the single was already mixed and, and everything. So we weren't able to do that. But um I, and also, because I live in, in um, a different country, I live in Mexico, it was hard commuting and getting, getting, do, doing that back and forth. We, were, we worked here in Mexico City, and we also worked in, in uh, L.A. But um, I think logistics made it a little bit more difficult than just living in the same city and just driving over to the studio. So um, we were meant to do this, and I'm quite, I would have I loved to have done an album because, for me, being in the studio is, is – it's just, I love it. It's like putting together a puzzle, you know, and, and um, it was a great experience. But who knows, maybe next time. I'm, not, I'm never going to say never again. I've learned, I've learned that with this time. And that you, never doesn't, the word never doesn't work. You are also going on tour behind this. Yeah, yes, I'm just doing a, a, like a couple weeks uh, in July and a couple weeks in August. Just a little run of dates. Um, this, it's, it's a continuation. I just did a big tour in the UK uh, called Decades, and it'll continue in Australia at the end of the year. But it's um, focused on all my, my, my solo, solo work. And, of course, I always throw in a few go-go songs. You know, that goes without saying because it's a big part of my career. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. I haven't worked in the States, like, doing live shows in a very long time. We always have this idea from afar that kind of like everybody in the music business knows each other and you're all friends and you're just sitting there, you know, hanging out with, I don't know, I'm going to just pick one at random, like you and Duran Duran have lunch or something, you know, but do you ever see, <laughs> do you ever see anybody at something like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame event or somewhere like that, that you actually admire, but don't know personally that you get to sort of tell them how you feel? Totally. I, I, um, it, it happens quite a bit. And the last one that comes to mind, which is very funny, is um, Mark Allman, who I love Mark Allman. And, and uh, we were at some event together, and I had just been to a thrift store or like a vintage store, and I bought a painting he used to own, only because he used to own it. So, 
And then, like, a week later, we were at the same event, so I went up to him and fawned all over him and slobbered all over him and told him I bought his painting. And it was just, it was just, I had never met him before, so it was just really, really nice. And it happens quite a bit, you know, or you'll work with somebody, like, I worked with Supergrass over this last summer, and I love Supergrass, and met them for the first time. So it happens quite a bit. Mark Allman's soft sell, right? Yes, uh huh. I love all his all his albums. Yeah, I think he's a really interesting artist. Yeah. How did you know he had owned the painting? If I might go deeper into that story. The guy who owned, I mean, randomly just said, "Oh yeah, Mark Mark Allman was um, moving, and he brought this in." I was like, "I'll take it." That's exactly how it happened. So there you go. I still have it. It's still hanging up in, on the wall in our bedroom. Yeah. Very nice. That's what it's like to be Belinda Carlisle. Okay, new single is called Big Big Love, and you can get it now wherever right. you get all your music. Yes, wherever that is. I mean, lots of different formats these days. Yeah, so, yes. you can just find Thank it. Just you. just say it out loud, and maybe your Alexa will play it for you. Who knows? All right, Belinda, um, I truly That's appreciate good. you. I yeah. truly appreciate the conversation. Uh, you're a legend, and uh, we love you, and thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It was great talking to you, too. And thanks to you for checking out another episode of Whip's What's Up With podcast. And while you're here, you might as well follow us and rate and review the podcast and thanks again to Belinda Carlisle for hanging out with us and why don't you do the same that is hang out with us every single morning on the morning mix in Chicago